Welcome back to the Beat the Often Path podcast. I'm your host, Ross Palmer. Our mission here is to help us all think outside the box and to present you with a range of unusual success stories. Today's guest, David May, is in a business that's been booming since the pandemic began. There's just one problem. His goal is to put himself out of business completely. His business? Marketing for the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank. In this episode, he will share some shocking statistics as well as his own personal path to success, and he's a great example for people interested in mission-driven, life-affirming work. He helps feed up to a million people a month. It's a truly noble cause, and I know you're going to love this show. For those listening with audio only, be advised that he's on location here delivering food, so at times we reference what he's seeing in his surrounding. As always, the video version of this interview will be available on YouTube. Search for Ross Palmer or Beat the Often Path. So with that, today's guest, David May. Okay, so joining me now, uh, David May, somebody I've known for a very, very long time, since high school, many, many years. He's out here in Los Angeles together with me. And I have been seeing him pop up on LinkedIn a lot lately. He's doing some really good and interesting work for the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank. So I wanted to share your story and share the story of what's going on. I think it's really relevant right now with the pandemic and everything that's happening. And I wanted to be very careful with this podcast, which is about unusual success stories, as I've told you, not to define success in a traditional or monetary way. And for me, community and causes that mean something and contribute to the greater good are very much successful. So I wanted to, you know, bring you on and give you a chance to, to talk about what it is that you're working on. So how are you doing, man? Good, good. It's good to see you. And thanks so much for, for having me. Um, you're right. You know, the, the food bank fits, I think, into that theme of, I don't know about uh, unexpected, but certainly I almost want to say unwelcome success. And what I mean by that is sometimes, you know, when a food bank is seeing really, really big numbers, that means that there's a really high need out there. And we're one of those weird organizations that would love to put ourselves out of business. Um, but unfortunately the need in really, I mean, all over, but especially here in LA County has really skyrocketed, um, amid the pandemic, even, before the outbreak, we estimated about one in five people in LA County was struggling with food insecurity. And since we oh have time God. in this more of a longer format, I kind of yes. want to go into the detail because some people, Please. you know, I'll see on our social media account, like, Hey, you know, well, why, why are you, uh, why are you trying to sanitize it? Just call it hunger. You know what I mean? And, and so it's worth kind of diving into the nuance a little bit, just, and your audience probably knows I, I've, I've actually heard the word food insecurity on other episodes of your podcast. Um, but you know, yes. food insecurity, just meaning that at some point in the month, people are skipping meals or uh, don't have access to the nutritious food that they need. Maybe they're, um, you know, skipping meals to pay rent or with the older adults, sometimes we see them skipping meals to pay for medicine. So hunger yeah. is different in that it's the actual physical sensation of being hungry, you know, feeling those hunger pangs. And so when right. you say one in five people in LA County before the pandemic was, was food insecure, that's an accurate statement. And it's not really, it wouldn't be accurate necessarily to say that one in five, you know, 20% of LA County is hungry. So that's, since it's more of a long, because we're, long we're all hungry out, right now. Like, like I'm hungry right <laughs> at this very second, but that's a very different so thing than what we're talking breakfast about. breakfast or something. Yeah. Yes. I, I could yeah. go for so, some food, and, but that's not at all the same. Understood. So, and those, those are some of the big numbers even before the pandemic. So when we talk about success for the food bank, you know, what that means amid the pandemic before the, before we were reaching uh, about 300,000 people every month. And now after the outbreak, we're reaching about 900,000 people every month. So oh the number of people God. who are coming to us in search of food assistance has tripled. Um, 900,000 know, a month. Yeah. And what is Almost the population of LA right now? Like 9 million? It's about, I think it's 10.13, something like that, a little over 10 million. So one out of 10 Angelinos right now coming is, to you is, yeah, per month. Is getting, yeah, is getting food. Now, I should say the, the food bank works in a, a, a variety of ways because in an area like Los Angeles County that is so big, there are unique challenges to distribute food. You know, we all know about L.A. traffic and um, – we rely on a lot of partnerships in order to distribute the amount of food that we distribute. So we do some direct distributions. I'm actually at a direct distribution right now. You, you see, I'm obviously I'm outside and behind me, we can go look later. There is a direct distribution 
we used to do, and we still do, uh, what's called mobile food pantries as part of our direct distribution program. And what that means is that we'll take almost imagine like kind of a crossover between a food truck and a farmer's market where we'll load up a truck, go into an area where we know there's high need, or maybe it's a food desert, uh, and we'll distribute food to a community in need that way. Uh, and amid the pandemic, we've converted a lot of those mobile food pantries into drive-through distributions. And a lot of people have probably seen these on the news. These are the big, uh, you know, you'll see aerial shots of miles and miles of cars kind of lined up. And people, the idea is people can stay safely in their vehicle. They can pop the trunk. We have volunteers and, and staff that will place about a week's worth of food, depending on the size of the family, maybe a little more, maybe a little less. Uh, into the trunk so that everybody stays safe and everybody's socially distant and uh, then the trunk gets closed and they drive off. So that's one of the methods of direct distribution. But in order to reach that many people each month, 900,000 people each month, we also work with 700 partners throughout LA County. So that might be religious organizations, synagogues, mosques, churches, whatever. It also is a lot of uh, YMCA, Boys and Girls Club. Um, so it's a lot of other nonprofit organizations throughout LA County that can distribute food more locally and um, in a way that is, um, it's a brick and mortar facility in most cases where people know exactly where to go every week, they can go and, and get the help they need. Whereas with these big drive-through distributions, because LA County is so big, we're going to different parts of the county. You know, we'll be in Palmdale next week. Right now we're in, in East LA in Hilda Solis's district. We'll be in Hollywood, Burbank. We'll be in Santa Monica. You know, we, we just go all over the place. Oh, my God. So how big of an operation are we talking about that you're moving all around town? Yeah, it's, it is a really big operation. We have right now uh, a couple warehouse facilities that it's well over at this point, 200,000 square feet. A lot of people, that's one of the interesting things about the food bank is people especially before the pandemic, we're associating food banks with like, oh yeah, that's such good work. You know, they help the homeless and all that stuff. And we do help those who are experiencing homelessness. That's a really important population for us. But even before the pandemic, it only represents about 10% of the food. So I think people think of those experiencing homelessness because you can, it's more of a visual, you know, people can kind of see of and, and more quickly understand the, the situation. But in reality, again, you know, even before the pandemic, about 90% of our food was going to people who were housed, but we're, you know, LA County is just so expensive and people struggle to make ends meet even with one or two or three or four jobs in the family. Um, okay. And so a lot of our food, you know, is actually going to people to help them pay these other bills like rent and utilities and medical expenses and car issues. You know, a lot of people that and again, I'm, I'm kind of in my mind breaking this conversation up into two halves to sort of, of paint the picture of before the coronavirus outbreak okay. and what food banks were dealing with then. And then um, yes. kind of how the world has just kind of changed for us. Um, I think that's great. So that's, that's yeah. So that's that's a little bit of, of the information. I mean, um, so again, like even before the pandemic, just being... Um, you know, assisting so many people that were housed and were just trying to make ends meet in this in this really expensive area. And and hunger tends to be one of those things that you don't see as much. People experiencing homelessness, you see it, you know, visually a little more. But there are people that, again, if we're saying even before then, one out of five people face food insecurity. Imagine in L.A. County when you're kind of walking around or going to the stores or, or back in the old days, you know, before the pandemic, when you're you're, you're walking past and experiencing people that it's, it's an invisible situation. You don't realize that mm. they're skipping meals to pay for things. Incredible. Well, that is uh, truly, truly shocking and a negative. I mean, you kind of know that it's incredibly expensive out <laughs> here, but those numbers are, I mean, horrifying, honestly, to say the least. It's, it's not good to hear. Yeah, um, yeah. So these days, um, it's all mobile. So everybody, they, they, they take their car and they drive through. That's that's exclusively the way that you're doing it now. Not exclusively. That's um, okay. <clears throat> that's that's kind of the additional these drive through distributions that you've seen on the news. Those are in addition to our typical work. So all of our typical work is continuing. So the reason for that is because the virus has impacted so many people, and you know, for the public health and for the public good, we've had to 
you know, um, obviously business and, and commerce has been affected, which, you know, is kind of ripples into, um, you know, people's financial stability. So we're seeing people, there was a USC study that was published a couple months ago from a variety of income brackets. It's not just lower income individuals amid the pandemic who are needing help. And you can also think about too, the SNAP benefits and a lot of the other benefits that are available to some people who are facing food insecurity aren't available to everybody who actually now in this unique time are in need. And so we'll see, and maybe when we go back there, you know, another thing that I see on social media every once in a while, we'll see a little bit newer car come through and people online will type, you know, not, not thinking too much about it. Just like, why, you know, there's all these nice cars coming all through right, or these there. newer cars. Why is that the case? And it's like, well, you know, we've interviewed a lot of these people. And if you go to our YouTube channel, you can see a lot of the people that we've interviewed. And it's a common story that, it's like, hey, I've worked every day in my life. We've even heard I used to donate to the food bank. I used to volunteer at the food bank. And, you know, I never thought I'd be in this situation. And sure, yeah, to, you know, a year ago or two years ago, I bought a car because I worked every day in my life and I could afford it and I never was worried about it. But I'm in the music industry or I'm in the entertainment industry or I'm in the um, amusement park industry or I'm in one of these other industries uh, that has just been really hurt in a big way by the pandemic. And they're like, I just need a little help to get by. I don't know how long this is going to last. And yeah, in the future, I am looking at, do I have to sell my car and get a cheaper one to eat? But in the meantime, yeah. you know, on the other end of the spectrum is food waste. So there's food, there's hunger, and there's food insecurity on one side. And on the other end of the spectrum, there's, there's food waste. And especially now when we're seeing, you know, schools, uh, conventions, uh, restaurants, you know, the food supply has been disrupted as well. So we've got all this excess food over here and we've got all these food insecure people over here. And if we don't get this food to these folks, it's just going to rot anyway. It's like, you know, what's right. the point of that? We need to get it to the people who need it. And really even before the pandemic, of course, there's always ways to reduce food waste. And some of our partners, like for example, Ralph's and a number of our, our other partners, uh, Ralph specifically in my mind is the example I'm thinking of right now is has like a zero food waste commitment. And so they're over the next couple of years planning on really just eliminating food waste so that they're giving stuff to us and other food banks um, in time. And the other thing that, that people might not realize about food banks is, of course, our primary goal is to get food to the people who need it. Um, but there are cases where food comes to us a little later for whatever reason it's, uh, it's inedible. So what we do is um, if there is food that cannot be distributed through our partner agency network or through our direct distribution programs, we have partnerships so that we can turn that into compost or animal feed or actually even with waste management here in Southern California, some of the, the appropriate products can be converted into biodiesel fuel. So the goal is to keep the food out of the landfill as much as we can because we know that rotting yes. food is a contributor to methane gas and all this stuff. So, um, you know, we again, we primarily we want to get it to the people who need it. But there's other things that we do with the food to prevent food waste as well. I'm kind of rambling, just getting as much no. out there. As well, I want to I wanted to know this is all excellent stuff. So I wanted to tack on two other points to your two points. I think we should follow your structure. But I wanted to before we launch into pre post pandemic, I wanted to first. Can you tell us a little bit about what is the food bank? How is it structured? How does it work? Where is the food coming from? Just a little bit about the organization as an introductory Totally. So the food bank was founded in 1973 by a man named Tony Collier. And we kind of like to tell that story because it was really before there was food banking as a model. I think there was one other food bank in Phoenix at the time, but he just realized like, Hey, there's, there's food over here and there's people who are struggling accessing food over here. So he just with his pickup truck in his garage essentially started the Los Angeles regional food bank. He, um, of course, it grew from there. And, and part of the reason we like to tell that story is because it's proof that one person can make a difference. You know, there's one yeah. person who saw a problem Man. in the community. Boy, is it ever. And picking up food in their, their pickup truck and then organizing it in the garage and, and distributing it to people who need it. And then fast forward, we're again, you know, well over 2,000 or uh, 200,000 square feet uh, facilities throughout you know, a couple different spots in Los Angeles County. Again, we're partners with 700 different organizations throughout the county. Um, so it's turned into a really big operation. We, this year, gosh, I want to, like last year, I think if I'm, if I'm getting my numbers right, it was around 80 million. And by last year, I actually mean two years ago, 2019, 
we distributed about 80 million pounds of food. And last oh year, goodness. if I remember right, it's going to be closer to 160 million, something like that. I think they're still crunching some of the, the numbers, but so doubled. Uh, we used to do, yeah, we used to do, and in recent times, I mean, it, it changes a little bit, but um, we used to move about 1 million pounds of food through our warehouses every week. And now it's about 4 million pounds of food that, that move to our, our warehouses every week. So yeah, that, that's, that's the food bank is also kind of from a structure perspective is a nonprofit organization. We rely on the generosity of the community to complete our work. So we're getting donations from, you know, Disney and uh, we are a member of Feeding America. And so Feeding America is about 200 partner food banks throughout America. Um, and, and they, they kind of coordinate with us and, and uh, you know, it's a separate organization. So from a structural perspective, I guess it's good to know that Feeding America is their own organization and we are like members. The food banks are not, it's not one big company, right? Like Feeding America is not uh, the owner or whatever of the, the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank. And in the same sure. way, our 700 partner agencies are not owned by us. It's again, it's a partnership. So there's a lot of individual organizations that are working together to, uh, you know, help people. Uh, but yeah, that's, we, you know, we do get some, we get a lot of USDA food. Uh, we get a lot of private food donors again from Ralph's, Amazon, a lot of different people like that. But the, uh, the food that's donated comes from all over the place, grocers and farmers and wholesalers and distributors. And, and, uh, then is brought to the food bank is kind of sorted and organized, uh, by volunteers and volunteers are a critical part of our work as well. We have about 30,000 volunteers every year. And, you know, you can imagine that's practically double our staff, you know, if we had to, to hire people to do all the work that the volunteers do. So volunteering is a huge part of, of the food bank. And then of course, the keeping the trucks running, the refrigeration, all of the, you know, there are of course office workers and, uh, but we're, so that's all, you know, privately funded through, through generous corporations and individuals and people who are, are, are trying to help out. So we are, is there one, you, know, uh, you can look us up on Charity Navigator and GuideStar. Um, and I was is there one? Like it is, uh, we. I was going to say, is there ahead. one donor that is uh, the largest? Is there one source that is larger than all of the others? Or is it truly just kind of coming from everywhere? It's, it comes a little bit from everywhere. You know, we have corporations that, and we, we recognize our donors on, on our blog as well. So we'll have big gifts like, um, Edison International or Delta Dental or, um, you know, I, I, can't, I, I don't want to start listing everybody because I'll never get to everybody, but there are There's a lot of corporations many. that, yeah, that, that'll give, you know, maybe $300,000 or, or $100,000 or whatever it is. Um, and there are corporations and organizations that give directly to the food bank. There's organizations that give to Feeding America and then Feeding America kind of distributes that food throughout the food bank network in, in a way that that's appropriate based on the donors conversation with them. Um, so that's kind of how that stuff works, but okay. we do get, uh, especially this year mid the pandemic, we've had a big surge in like lots of small donations from just kind of the general public. And so we, for example, have a monthly giving program where it's estimated that about $23 per month can provide enough food for someone for a whole year. So we'll have people that go to the website and just say, yeah, I can, I can do $23 a month and it's going to help somebody out for, for the whole year. And theoretically, if we had enough people doing that, you know, we'd cover everybody in theory. I mean, there's That's a lot so of logistics right. involved as well, of course. I can imagine. Well, so how, how about you yourself? How did you personally get involved in this mission, this cause, this organization? Yeah. So I, I had moved from Colorado where we knew each other to California to go to college. And then after I graduated, I worked at that same university for, for a long time. And eventually we decided to make the move up to LA. And, um, I found myself, uh, you know, I've always wanted to work in an organization that's doing good. And I feel like education, you know, does that. Um, so I think, you know, food assistance kind of falls into that same job requirement that I have, like whatever job I have, it needs to leave things the old, you know, I guess the old Boy Scout slogan or whatever. And I'm not the Boy Scout, so I'm not taking credit for that. But I just know, <laughs> I know the slogan is like, you know, try to leave the world better than, you know, where when you arrive. 
And so I don't want to, you know, marketing has enough of a, a bad rap sometimes of like, oh, you, you're the people that trick people into buying things and stuff like that. And I, so I don't, I didn't want to work at a place that was just filling up a landfill with, you know, whatever item. Um, I wanted to use the, the marketing, um, you know, skills and experience for something good. And so again, I think that's education and certainly food is even a, a more core need than, than education, or I guess you could make that argument. Um, cause you know, you need food day to day just to, just right. to live. And we know people who have access to nutritious food, you know, learn better and are healthier mentally and physically. Of course, like, you know, it's, it's a no brainer right. that food is critical. Well, if you had to like rank helping people with food insecurity on a nobility scale from zero to 100, I think it would be a lot closer to 100 than zero. I mean, there are a few <laughs> things in the world. I, I, like, I don't know what mother Teresa did, but <laughs> helping out people in need with food is Pretty yeah. fundamentally good guy behavior, I think. Um, so I completely hear you there. So how many years have you been been with them then? So I've been with the food bank for about two and a half years. Two and and half. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's been interesting to see it uh, grow. And I do think that you know, in the during this this last year during the pandemic has been such a strange time to be at the food bank because on one hand it's really inspiring to see the community come together and to, um, to see the, the great work that the food bank is doing to make sure that people who are struggling right now at least have the, the nutritious food that they need. But on the other hand, it's like, it's this weird feeling of really inspiring and really good and also really sad and really depressing as you watch these huge lines of cars. And as we talk with people who, you know, we talked to somebody not all that long ago who uh, was already struggling and then became infected with the virus, had heart failure and all these other serious issues, was in the hospital for nine days, uh, you know, has a child at home and, you know, came home to an empty, oh, an empty pantry, an empty fridge, and was just like, you know, after nine days in the hospital and the, the struggles she had before, like, what am I going to do? So she heard about the food bank and came and got, you know, got food from there. And we, she's on our, our YouTube channel, actually, and also the LA Times ended up doing a story about her. But the, the thing is, you know, we'll these definitely are stories share some links that, here. Yeah, I mean, and these, you know, these, these are stories that, um, you know, when we talk to people, we hear this type of thing all the time, and we can't talk to everybody. Again, it's 900,000 people, so it's, it's like you can only imagine the number of stories that are out there that we can't, that we can't get to and we don't hear about. Yeah. So what, what is the process on the flip side? So I'm a person experiencing food insecurity. I come home to an empty pantry. How does one sign up or get connected with you? Yeah. So if someone is in need of food assistance, then the best thing to do is to go to lafoodbank.org slash find food. And we have a pantry locator on there where you basically type in your zip code and it'll find a food resource near you. And um, one of the things I, I should have mentioned before when we were talking about the various methods of food distribution is these big drive-through distributions are kind of supplemental to our t traditional work, but our traditional work continues. And again, that's a, a big part of it is providing this food through our partner agency network of 700 other organizations. Their distribution models might be different. And a lot of them do, you know, walk up. There's not everybody has a car. So we do, uh, you know, socially distant and responsible, you know, walk up distributions or they do those partner agencies. Uh, we also early in the pandemic were and, and still continue to do delivery service for some of our uh, clients who shouldn't be leaving their homes. Maybe it's older adults or people with really serious health conditions. So there is kind of a food delivery system. And that's something that, of course, is probably needs to grow, but is expensive. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see kind of how that develops. Um, but yeah, anybody who needs food and, and also for, for those who are experiencing homelessness, we, some of our partner agencies would be like the midnight mission or the LA mission. Um, so that we're providing food. Um, our food is provided more in a grocery style. So that's the other thing that a lot of people I think might not realize is you know, we're essentially, you can imagine we're providing grocery product. In fact, 97% of what we provide is food, but about 3% is non-food grocery products. Like it might be diapers or we've had masks or of things course. like that. Right. So, you know, when you're talking about getting food to the people who need it, it's, we're not, you know, we're not really doing hot meals. So 
when we provide grocery style products to the midnight mission and then, you know, the LA mission, for example, and they're able to convert that food and turn it into warm meals and hot meals for, yeah. for people who don't have kitchens or don't have the ability to, you know, open up what, what we have. So, so when somebody, they, um, they fill out the form or they get connected to free food. Is there any kind of vetting process or is it just you say you need food, come get food? Or do you have to prove uh, income or some sort of hardship? Yeah, there's there's some, uh, like we do a very light screening here. We ask the zip code, the number of family members. Uh, so the, that gives us an estimate of how much food would, would be needed and stuff like that. Amid the pandemic, because there's there was another report. Now I can't remember the source, so I probably shouldn't source, quote it. But it was roughly 50% of the people in LA County have been financially impacted by the virus. So we're kind of thinking, you know, in this we're in the middle of an emergency. If people are going to line up and spend an hour waiting in line for a car for food, then then they need food. And again, the food's out there. We need to, you know, just make sure that like logistically, it it's not spoiling and all that stuff we need to make sure that we get it to the right people in the right amount of time and i think so so right now the the vetting is pretty light you know we want people who need the food to be able to access the food um and i think that's uh you know it seems to be a, a good model the old days you know way back in the day there used to be for example uh religious organizations that would make you you know convert or something before you could get the food and so the, we, we don't do that of course and um we we also don't partner with with organizations who do that um we just want it to be you know it's it's just food for people who need it that's so cool um so you're getting a week's worth of food you're driving up what might what might that look like is it random are there certain staples that everybody's gonna get like what what would they be getting so yeah, so all I, I guess the best thing is for me, I'm gonna walk backwards for a little bit here. So um, I'll try to steer you, you as best kind of as what I is can. In the food boxes, and the the food like what's in the food boxes does vary from distribution to distribution, um, depending on what donated product was available. You know what food items are available. We almost always have shelf stable items. And we always have shelf stable items in our food bank box, and I'll show you that. Um, like cans, but then we always food. have like a fresh produce item. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, and Great. then we'll have fresh produce and, uh, fresh meats today. We have milk and yogurt. And so one of the things that's great about, I think the Los Angeles regional food bank specifically, and I think a lot of food banks lately, um, our president and CEO, Michael flood was really, really interested in, um, nutritious food items. So, you know, you think of food banks and you do think of canned food and all this stuff. And really, we're good as a as an industry trying to get away from that. Yeah. So our our president and CEO was really good about making sure that our facilities have refrigeration and cooler boxes and freezer boxes, so that people can uh, donate. You know, and farmers and distributors and wholesalers can distribute all of this fresh produce and you know carrots and all these healthy items because we don't want to replace the hunger problem with the diabetes problem. We want to have a lot of nutritious food for people. So, um, there's a quote. If ever yeah. I heard one, I'm going to steal that one for sure. <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm so glad to hear that. Very, very refreshing. So, but yeah, let let's me, guide, guide us through. Yeah. My, so for those who are listening while he's kind of walking like, over to the distribution point, um, who are listening and not watching, there will be the video on YouTube. There is the video on YouTube. You can see where he is and what he's doing. So some of the, what's about to follow is visual content, but I'm sure that he will be explaining it just so you know where to find it. Yes. All right. So you can see the distribution. Okay. Yes. So I see some tents set up and there are cars and cones, a large staff. I'll actually go to the front. And again, this is just one of our, our models. These drive-through models are really popular and really important right now during the pandemic. Um, cause again, we can keep people apart. We can, um, you know, we can keep people in their cars. So here I'm going towards the front of the distribution. <laughs> um, There's so you'll see people kind of lined up here. Here's some of the cars. A line around the corner of cars. Um, and so big people operation. line up here. And again, sometimes these, yeah, sometimes these lines are miles long. So then we will come over here in this particular distribution. We're partnering with LA County. So you have a little branding from uh, Supervisor Hilda Solis. 
And you and estimate that it's about an hour long ask how many, to wait? How many people are in the car? What's the uh, zip code? And then okay. here's some of the, the boxes that they would get. So here's a food bank box. And inside this, I'm going to go actually to a little bit quieter, a little bit farther away from the, the music. These are nice big cardboard boxes full of food. And now we're coming up to a car where they are loading the trunk of the car with the food in the back. Hard to estimate. How many people would you say are working out here today? Uh, probably about a, maybe 125. David, are these all volunteers? So today we have, we do have some food bank staff. We have some volunteers and then we also have, uh, LA County disaster response officials. So, um, we do have some, some help today on a lot of these distributions. It's, it's all volunteers. Um, but yeah, today you'll see these, some of these vests with LA County on the back. So these will be the LA County uh, disaster response team. So I'm going to find somebody with uh glove really quick so that we can open up. Yeah, I was going to say, one of these boxes. <laughs> you wouldn't want to be tainting somebody's food. That thought had crossed my mind. Karen, you want to do me a favor? Uh, you want to open up one of these boxes for me? Thank you. This is, this is Karen, two big staff member. Amazing. <laughs> Hello, Karen. And then actually, Kai, Kai, this is Kai, the one who doesn't want to be on camera here. Kai has done, okay. what, 110 <laughs> of these distributions? Incredible. 120 of these distributions, and Kai is a volunteer. So what would you awesome. recommend to people volunteering at their local food bank? Is that important? I have headphones in, so I don't know if uh, you yeah, I can't. I can't hear him. You'll have to. Uh, you'll have to, to say it. At your local food bank because people depend on you. All yes. right, so here's some of the yogurt products. Okay, we've got smaller that, boxes uh, with dairy. That they'll be getting today. Looks like YoPlay. Some yogurts in a box, and then a bigger box. Yep. Thanks, Karen. We've got. So here, um, this is kind of the miscellaneous box. So there's some oh, canned nice. meat some raisins, uh, peanut butter, let's see, yeah, corned beef, things like that. That looks like a very quality box. And then we usually box. have like a frozen chicken product or something like that. Oh, is it back here? Okay, so what you just saw was the food bank box of shelf-stable items. This oh. is kind of the fresh produce box. So here we got some sour cream, some more yogurt. Here's some cheese. Looks like some, yeah, frozen chicken, some milk. Oranges, looks like an onion, some carrots I see down there, potatoes. Sack of potatoes? Yeah, great. Honestly, great. this looks Thank so excellent. Much, Thank you so much. This looks so, awesome. Yeah. Really good quality. Much better than I would have guessed uh, not knowing anything about yeah. it. Yeah, much I mean, better quality. That's, yeah, it looks like something that you that would get if you went to the grocery store. Absolutely, absolutely. And also name brands, I should point out. These aren't like cheap, crappy alternatives. They're name yeah. brands. Everything looks to be high quality and fresh. Yeah. A lot of people think that, you know, they think of food banks and they think about things that are about to expire. And again, we've been, we've been pushing right. so much like prison food, fresh food. And you'll see here, USDA uh, Farmers to Families uh, food box. So again, that's, you know, this is food that maybe otherwise would have gone toward, um, you know, schools or conventions or theme parks or all these things that are that are, you know, disrupted right now. And so as a way to kind of help uh, farmers as well as the people in need, you know, we're getting yeah, we're getting really fresh food that would otherwise be going directly to those sources. So, that um, makes sense. yeah. So talk about let's let's switch gears. How about pre post? pandemic so what what did it look like before or what after since you said there's some notable differences there yeah yeah and and i guess i i broke my own rule a little bit i already kind of uh spoiled some of my my statistics but um so pre-pandemic about three hundred thousand people every month post-pandemic about nine hundred thousand people every month when you look at the number of pounds distributed, so that's the number of people reached. When you look at the number of pounds distributed, 
it's up about 145% in, in distribution numbers. And food banks all over the country are seeing these huge increases. And those numbers vary, you know, a little bit from food bank to food bank. But, um, you know, everybody's just kind of seeing this big need. Um, one of the, the numbers that actually hasn't necessarily skyrocketed, as you can imagine, is the number of volunteers. And the reason for that is, of course, you know, we would have a lot of corporate groups coming in um, as a big team building exercise. And volunteering at a food bank really is a good team exercise for, for organizations. But, you know, there's that now kind of a liability concern where people are wondering, you know, well, if, you know, if I go do that and if there's this like super spreader event or something, and of course we do the social distancing, we do the masking, we, you know, sanitize the workstations, you know, I think every hour, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. So it is really safe. And again, a lot of these activities are outdoors, but as you can imagine, you know, there's been a little bit more trepidation for volunteers coming in. Um, but we do feel we're really safe. You know, we, we fortunately knock on wood, haven't had any, uh, experiences that have disrupted our our uh our process in a major way and i mean other than you know just of course we, we do want to accommodate to the public health guidelines and that that has posed a little bit of a challenge you know we purposely don't have as many volunteers on site as much as we used to 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 limit to be able to create more space between people but um that and, is you know for people who are looking for a way to get involved and they don't have the the financial resources to to make a donation, volunteering is a great way if you feel safe and healthy about it, especially after you get the vaccine. If you know, if you if people want to to help out the food banks that way, because we do need that. Do you have a preference? Would you rather people donate monetarily or their time, or it's all good? It's 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 all critical. You know, it's all critical. Yeah. So I think that it just depends on the person. You know, if you're somebody that. Maybe you're an older adult and you're a little bit more susceptible to the disease, then yeah, it's probably better to write a check. If you're younger, you don't have a lot of dispensable income or disposable income, then yeah, sw swing on by and volunteer. Um, it's all critical. If you run out of volunteers, then what we've done in the past is hired temps. So that is a way that money can actually, you know, kind of provide a similar service as a, as a volunteer would. Um, but we're really we're a really uh, efficient organization. So it's about 97% of our revenue is reinvested into the community. And if you compare, compare that on charity navigator or guide star to a typical nonprofit, that's a really good, you know, ranking at 97% uh, and only about 3% is lost to overhead. That is excellent. And at this point, I mean, we're 10 months in, we're coming up on the year mark of when this whole thing began. Are the numbers continuing to rise or are they leveling out a little bit? I mean, is there any hope or end in sight or this is the new normal for the foreseeable future? That's it's a great question. We're not seeing any changes, at least in the immediate future. We feel like, um, you know, I mean, and as we look at the lines of cars that that come through, as we look at the number of pounds that move through our facilities, the need is certainly still out there. And even after the vaccine is distributed even after people are able to get back to work. It's not that people's jobs are going to come back overnight and some of these jobs might not come back, you know, and we hate to say back. that and hope. Yeah. But so it's, you know, it's, uh, we, it's hard to project too far into the future, especially with years as crazy as these last, you know, this last year has been, but we're in, especially in the near future, we're not seeing the need decrease. It just doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon. So, um, yeah, our, our plan is to keep doing this until, okay. you know, until we don't need to anymore. And again, we're one of those weird organizations that would love to put ourselves out of business, but unfortunately <laughs> it's, it's not looking like that. Unfortunately, that it looks way. like no. we need to grow. Yeah. To we grow. need to grow and, and do more and more. Like I mentioned, even before the pandemic, it was about one in five people in LA County faced food insecurity. You can imagine after the pandemic how much the, the particular research organization that we kind of reference hasn't come out with a new report since, but we know mm. that number has gone way up. And it's there there was a US, the same USC study that I referenced before estimated one in four. So we know it's, it's at least that we mm. think, you know, it's again, two different research groups, but, um, you know, it sounds, sounds pretty accurate to us. Yeah. So, and, uh, and you can imagine. You... Mm-hmm. I was going to say for, for you, is this, uh, this is your full-time job. This is, 
the one thing that you do and you do marketing. So I am a little mm-hmm. bit interested in your role. So what what are you trying to do? What are your efforts then at the moment? Yeah. What does your day-to-day look like? That's a good question. So I um, like kind of the, the part of our, I think it's charge, like the part of our strategic plan that, that I work on a lot is to energize the community to get involved about hunger relief. So that's, that's a statement that encompasses a variety of things. And one thing that it encompasses is just raising general awareness for the food bank through brand campaigns and through public relations. Um, we have had, you know, no, my first year at the food bank, we had a really typical year from a media perspective where, you know, around the holidays and we have uh, some great, you know, media supporters, even back then, ABC seven and uh, KTLA and, and organizations like that who would do annual food drives with us. And so we would, there would be a little bit of media activity throughout the year, but I'm going to say less than, you know, certainly less than 50, probably less than 30 media clips. And then maybe, you know, a, a couple, a couple thousand mentions on um, online and articles and things like that this year, because food banks have been a, at least tangentially connected to the overall zeitgeist of the economic fallout caused by the virus. Um, we're, you know, we had, uh, CBS and Spectrum News here today at all of our, you know, we, we pick about three, just three or four distributions every week to invite media to so that they can help us tell the story and, and make sure that the general public is aware of what's happening in all these communities right. that, that we, that we go to. And so we have, I, I want to say, you know, probably, I don't know what the average would be, maybe 10 or 15 media clips a week now. So for example, and, and I know advertising, but now I'm kind of going into the marketing and PR, you know, fans of your channel, kind of their, their lingo, I guess, but for AVE advertising value equivalency, um, you know, which estimates the amount of ad money you would have to spend to get airtime or to get, you know, ads placed in various articles and things like that online. In a normal year, we would do, you know, maybe $20 million worth of, of that. And this year it's estimated to be about $200 million. So we've had, you know, we've been regularly, and I don't want to say regularly, but at least, you know, I think it's about 10 times on CNN and MSNBC. And of course, I mentioned the LA Times earlier, Washington Post, we're working on something with them. Um, you know, international media, um, Reuters, AP, like, so we've just had a ton of work to do that's this great. year from that's a media great. perspective. Right. And I think that's good because it, it helps people understand, I think, paint a more accurate picture of what food banks really are. And kind yeah. of how some of those old ideas that people remember from their past are actually need a little updating. You know what I mean? It's not right. it's not this this little room uh, full of canned food anymore. Now it's these huge warehouses with right. freezers and refrigerators full of fresh produce and protein and chicken and dairy and all these other things. And you know, the other thing that I think is a good message to get out there is to remind everybody that you know while helping people who are experiencing homelessness is, is important. It's always been a smaller percentage of our work and we've always been, you know, our, our CEO is on the board for the emergency network of Los Angeles. So when there, we've always expected that if there was an earthquake, if there was, you know, a huge fire, you know, if there's uh, a tragedy, then we're going to step in and help with the food aspect of the disaster response. What we, of course, didn't know and nobody really expected is that, like, that would be a virus and a pandemic that's now lasted a year. So it's important to have a good food bank in your community because, you know, there's there's a disaster response. And again, like the number of people that I've spoken with that have said, you know, I never thought I'd be in this situation. And how many times have we heard, you know, Americans live paycheck to paycheck and it's, it's rare to find people with a lot of savings. With any kind of savings, well, yeah. If you're out of work for a month or two or three, heaven forbid, 10, 11, 12 months. Yeah. You know, it can happen to a much bigger percentage of the population than people are comfortable uh, admitting. So it's almost like you're telling me that $600 isn't enough. You know, I'm at this distribution here today, anticipating media and, um, and today, you know, we had, I think two or three outlets show up, which is great. Uh, but it gave me the time to be ready and start a little early. Yep. 
Well, you know, I wanted to touch on one quick point. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for your time. It's an awesome message. I will support it. I urge everybody to uh, to donate. I myself will make a donation for sure after this. You can count Ooh. on it, um, hundred <laughs> percent. So, and I urge everybody listening or watching to do the same, or or at the very least support their local co- uh, food bank or their local community wherever they may be. So, one thing that I kind of wanted to touch on is um, the the scale. So, obviously. It's an unimaginable scale. I'm assuming that L.A. County, Los Angeles, must be one of the, if not the largest operation of this kind, certainly in the United States, potentially in the world. I mean, do you have any sort of insight into how it ranks in that regard? A million yeah, people go, a I'll month? Go out, yeah, a little bit on a limb from an international perspective. Um, as I understand it, food banking is, at least the model that we have here in the States, is pretty typical of the U.S. And I remember uh, early on when I started at the food bank, we had somebody from The Economist come out and he was describing the differences overseas and how what we think of a soup kitchen here is more their model over there. And so this kind of grocery style model that we have, as far as I know, and again, I'm, I'm not an expert on the international side of things. There may be other countries that have similar models, but from what I... <clears throat> from what I can assume based on my limited experience and my time here, um, America has a pretty unique model and a pretty robust food banking system when compared to other nations. Um, Los Angeles County is, I believe, still the most populous county in the United States. And we have more, unfortunately, more food insecure children than any place in the United States. There's a lot of unfortunate titles that we have. Um, yeah. But you're right, the, food, the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank is one of the largest food banks. There's a number of other large food banks. Houston has a really big food bank. Uh, the Greater Chicago Food Depository, um, the Capital Area Food Bank. There's there's a couple other uh, really big food banks. Right. But yeah, we're, we're certainly near the, the top of the list as far as pounds distributed, you know, um, certainly uh, population covered and But I've always... Areas. I've always felt that, you know, L.A. and California, it's no secret that the mo- the majority of middle America or the rest of America, they, they look down on, they hate L.A. oftentimes or they hate California or they, they think it's a failed place, a failed state, you know, that nothing but problems. But I've always felt that that was an unfair characterization, not just because I live here, but it's the scale and the magnitude of what we're dealing with in this state. You can't comprehend that from some small village in, in even Colorado, like a little town. I mean, how do you keep 9 million, 10 million people in a small area running? It's not an easy task. And I don't think this is a Republican or a Democrat thing. This is just a logistical nightmare. And, you know, so I, I say hats off to you guys for being a, a silver lining in this terrible time. Um, it's really remarkable. I'm very, very glad that you're out there doing what you're doing. I think it's incredible. Um, I guess my only regret is that I didn't reach out sooner. But, you know, really, thank oh, you no, so no, much no. for this. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. No, no, thank you for, for helping us tell the story of the food bank. And we, we love, you know, talking about our work and help, helping to kind of tell the story of our clients, too. A lot of people who don't always have a voice and who um, – you know, who, who I, I think it's good that their stories are getting told and all the, the kind of hardship that people are dealing with right now. And I think the other thing, it is a, it's a tough year for a lot of reasons. And of course, the, the, the political division is another thing, but it's nice that food banks are, have always been a place where, you know, I think we're looking as a country for uh, things to unite around. And the good thing is, in my experience and in my time at the food bank, it really isn't this partisan thing. In fact, as a nonprofit organization, of course, we can't be uh, partisan. And But the nice thing is that we see people from all over, from various political backgrounds, um, wanting to help. And that's been a pretty common theme, as I understand, throughout the history of food bankings is, or food banks, is that people agree on the fact that in a prosperous country like America, people shouldn't be going hungry. We're a nonprofit organization. Again, we're not you know, we're not taking, you know, these, these big amounts of tax dollars and things like that. Again, we get some USDA food product that's really being redirected from, you know, farmers and helping them out and everything like that. And uh, we did uh, get some funding from L.A. County this year that was, I think, a pass-through from the CARES Act. So there's a, there's a little bit in this unique year. But in the vast, you know, the vast majority of our, the vast majority of our food is donated. The vast majority of our funds coming in are from these private donations. So 
um, you know, it's just a, it's just a good thing to do to get, to get people involved and to kind of help out. And again, we see people from all over rallying around this, like, well, let's, we can disagree on this. We can disagree on that, but we agree that we need to get people food who need it. We had this, this LAX worker. And of course it was, it was, she was hard worker. It just it wasn't her fault that, that the situation kind of ended the way it did, but she ended up in need of food assistance. And so I think people resonate with stories like that. Well, I wanted to, uh, uh parting, parting links. So share, please let's, uh, thank you again. Let's wrap it up with some links. Um, where should people check you out again? You know, website, social media, anything you want to spam, spam away. Mm-hmm. I yield to you to close this episode. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're, you're telling the marketing guy, I can, I can do all the calls to action that I want. Huh? Well, yes. Um, you know, what, what we say is if you're in a position to give help or if you need to receive help, the best place to go is lafoodbank.org. That's where you can sign up to be a volunteer. That's where you can donate. That's also where you can find food, find food resources near you. We are on social media. We're on um, Facebook, of course, Instagram, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube. You can follow us there. We post a lot of uh, videos about our work on YouTube. Um, And yeah, so follow us on social media, you know, and the other thing is, if you're watching this and you're not in Los Angeles, then you can also go to feedingamerica.org. There's a list of food banks there, and uh, that's another good way to get involved. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for your time. And with that, the podcast is officially over. Thanks for listening to the Beat the Often Path podcast. If you've been enjoying this show, please like, comment, share, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, subscribe to me on YouTube. It would mean the world to me. Also, do you have an unusual success story or do you know someone who does? Well, please recommend them to me. They could be a future guest on this show. Maybe they've rolled the largest boulder down the mountains of Tibet, or maybe they built the world's largest chicken farm in Madagascar. The point is, I don't know what I don't know, so I'm looking for inspiration and unusual success stories. So help me by being a part of this adventure. I'm looking to grow this podcast with you. Thanks again for listening.